Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. This is a place where we share how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hi, welcome to episode 14, From Overwhelm to Self-Care. Today, we are talking to Brody Welsh. She's a licensed acupuncturist, board-certified herbalist, and a self-care strategist. Brody helps self-aware, high-achieving women break the cycle of stress, overwhelm, and self-sabotage so they can enjoy the lives they're working so hard to create and truly embody self-respect. She loves helping people recognize their power, what they can do every day to influence how they feel. She is passionate about helping people optimize their health and evolving their consciousness so they can express who they really are and show up for their work in the world and the people they love. A lifelong student of consciousness, Brody has been practicing meditation, yoga, and qigong for over 20 years and holds teaching certifications in each of these disciplines. She synthesizes ancient techniques from Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and yoga with the latest research in neuroscience, functional medicine, and habit change to help her clients thrive. She's the founder of Life in Balance Acupuncture in Oregon, and she's the creator and host of A Healthy Curiosity, the podcast that explores what it takes to be well in a busy world. And let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome, Brody. It's so great to have you on the Infinite Love Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. It's great <laughs> to be here. Nice. So I love to start the conversation with what is your love lesson? And a love lesson is essentially something that happened in your life, an experience, a pain point that brought you to your knees, that made you come to a place of self-realization and transformation. And in through that transformation, you decided to use what you've learned to then te- help teach others. Oh, that's a really potent place to start because often those most painful lessons are the fodder for transformation. And yeah. for me, that was certainly true. Um, so as a teenager, I think I, I was... I was maybe gifted with some fairly um, precocious and angsty genes that caused me to be entirely too reflective on uh, the world and my place in it as an, at an early age. And really I was, I grew up in the suburbs of Boston and I was in, you know, in this middle-class community and looking at like environmental degradation, like I can't do my life without getting in a car or, you know, like participating in a completely unsustainable system. I was really concerned about the state of the earth. I was also concerned about homelessness and hunger and like these, these things that were really apparent um, just walking around Boston. And so I felt like I felt like in order to be in integrity with myself, I needed to have my actions aligned with my values each and every day, or I was just breathing other people's air and I might as well kill myself. So as a teenager, really feeling the weight of the world and feeling like it was this binary, like I either need to be part of the solution or I'm part of the problem so much so that I don't even have a right to exist. And so it's like, I was an athlete, I was a musician, I had a job and it's like all of that stuff. I like tried to keep going while at the same time having this like social service and activism 
be kind of the foundation of, of really where I felt like I derived any sense of self-worth was like in this giving to others or trying to make the world a better place. And it was to the point where I just, I, that I was getting three hours of sleep a night at, you know, age 15, you know, and th that oh kind gosh. of, that it was really untenable. It was really that, that, like, I didn't feel like I had the right to exist, much less enjoy my life while there was so much injustice and, um, and, and real uh, problems. And so that weighed on me really heavily. And it wasn't until I think discovering uh, sort of like having a bit of a spiritual awakening that we're not just what we do, that there's more to us than the sum of our actions, that there's also this spiritual dimension of who we are and our presence that's equally valuable. But I never felt like I could value it because I didn't feel like my worth was connected to it. I felt like my self-worth was completely connected to this doing and serving. And it was causing me to, to live in this complete state of depletion, even when at a time in my life when I was supposed to have all this abundant reserve energy that the teenagers are supposed to have. And so I realized really quickly that sort of as I was continuing in college to, to kind of aim at being um, involved in social justice or in kind of crusading for the world that I wanted to, to create, realizing that that was not going to set me up for a life I was going to enjoy. And so realizing that I really needed to change course and come up with another plan. And that is fortunately where I was like, all right, I'm just going to opt out, even though I just after finishing college, decided to go to massage therapy school because I'd always been told that I had a healing touch just to buy myself time to figure out what it was that I really wanted to do. And thankfully in massage school, I fell in love with shiatsu um, or not the, sh the practice, but the theory underlying shiatsu, which is the theory that Chinese medicine is rooted in. And that is things like yin and yang and microcosm, macrocosm, like if it's out there, it's in here. And that these sort of the ways that these different energies of the five elements are at play in our lives. And I just, I fell in love with the theory. I knew that that was my next step. And so went on to do my master's in Chinese medicine and opened my practice 17 years ago. So it really just set me on a journey of like, okay, there is, and because Chinese medicine, why it resonated so deeply is this yin yang concept everyone's familiar with that yin yang symbol and that that idea that if we live in a society that only prioritizes the the doing and the externals and that how much we're able to produce and get done in a day at the expense of the inward the soul the body the rest the rejuvenation uh, that it's that's inherently out of balance and so it just like what i saw in chinese medicine was the permission to be and the permission to honor and value the beingness, not just my very capable doingness that had always been prized. Mm -hmm. And so it just really felt like that what came out of that love lesson for me was that I want everyone to take care of themselves regardless of their ability to um, deliver value for others in the marketplace or you know to to take care of their family members it's like yeah all of those things are good and i want you know like i love getting things done i love i i have ambition and drive and want to do things i have people in my life that i want to take care of but recognizing that if i'm doing that at, and and excluding myself from that equation that i'm setting myself up for depletion and resentment and all kinds of disease mm -hmm. absolutely it is um, so fundamental that we take care of ourselves and we don't take care of ourselves enough, especially when we're sensitive like you are and I am. Growing up, having those feelings about the world at such a young age 
really indicates that you're a sensitive, conscious person and that you require more self-care than the average person because you're holding on oh. to so much. I think that's it's an important point, right? Like that what, what we all need depends on who we are. You know, right. so different self-care practices might, might be more important for each of us, depending on how we're built, right? The, the innate gifts that we came in with, which can also undermine us if we don't necessarily recognize that. And so there is, a, there is this, um, this idea, I think, that we need to give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves, but being able to really identify what that looks like may right. be different for each of us. And and I really like to distinguish between sort of self-care. I, I really almost hate that phrasing these days because it conjures up these images of pedicures and vacations. And it's mm -hmm. like those things are lovely and wonderful, and I love them, uh, but they're exceptional. They're not the day-to-day -day of how we live our lives. And so it, and it really is how we take care of ourselves from moment to moment and from day to day that adds up that that is the the biggest lever we have over how we end up feeling absolutely and that's so true i often would think about self-care as getting a manicure getting a massage but really self-care is for me at this point is like did i drink a glass of water when i woke up to help my liver go yes. get going like thinking about the little things i do to take care of my body every day which is so important. And that's how you work with people as a coach, right? Yeah, absolutely. So just that there, so much of that is, is helping people recognize what the fundamental basics are, right? Things like hydration, nourishment, sleep, exercise, dealing with stress, opting out of stress entirely, if we can shift our mindset, um, that it, there's, there's, a, there's certain kind of core nutrients that we all need. And we all might need them in different amounts, you know, just like we all can't eat the same diet, right? Or that different foods are, affect us differently, depending on who we are. So, and so too, I think, are they sort of, uh, can be some of these self-care practices, and yet we all need a certain balance of nutrients in our lives. So I like to, to help people automate their morning routines and their evening routines to set themselves up for feeling their best and being able to not only like hit those basics like hydration and rest and um, mindfulness and self-study and all that, but also be able to um, so to kind of like tick those boxes and do it efficiently to free up energy for the stuff that really matters, you know, because it's like while, you know, in practicing Chinese medicine and kind of coaching from that framework, yes, it's all about balance, but in and of itself, that's not the goal, right? We're here to give our gifts to the world. We're here to connect. We're here to make magic happen. And it's, um, and, and really we free up so much bandwidth for presence and for productivity when we don't have, when we don't have to think about when am I going to meditate today? How am I going to exercise? What's for lunch? You know, like that it's like, if we create a certain amount of structure that that actually paradoxically maybe not so paradoxically engenders freedom and mm -hmm. that and and it allows us to to really hone in on on the important stuff i agree that's why i have a uniform in terms of clothing <laughs> like, oh me um, too I, yeah i wear like in the summer i wear dresses in the winter i wear leggings and a top and i have all my colors match so i never have to think too much about what i'm gonna wear like i just boop, 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 boop beautiful. So you're preserving your, your mental bandwidth every time you ping your brain, right? It's depleting. And then, so yeah, why not just streamline that? Because ultimately, yeah, like the, the less you have to think about getting ready for your day, that energy is allowed to go elsewhere. Exactly. That's why when I was little, I, I wanted to go to Catholic school so I can wear a uniform. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I just like getting up, wearing the same thing, going out. It just makes for that routine, like 
just creating that routine in your life makes gives me so much freedom. I'm just like, oh, I, I don't have to think about it. Exactly. And so just, and, and this isn't about becoming robots, but the fact that, that 40% of our day is determined by habit without our conscious thought. Right. So our habits are going to run us anyway. And if we can actually get into programming and setting ourselves up at that foundational subconscious happens without thinking level, just like brushing our teeth or taking a shower, whatever, whatever you're already doing in the morning, it's like, wouldn't it be great if breathing and meditation and exercise and healthy nourishment was, was a part of that plan. And you just, it was just a given that that's what, how you take care of yourself, just like brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And how do you use, um, since we're both Chinese medicine practitioners, like yeah. how do you use Chinese medicine and with your clients, do you have people go along the organ hour, like the different seasons? Like how do you, in, how do you infuse Chinese medicine in the work that you do? So I think, first of all, for the people who who may not be super familiar with Chinese medicine, that recognizing it's not just acupuncture, it's not just mm -hmm. herbs, there's actually all these branches of the medicine. And at its core, Chinese medicine is actually applied philosophy. So every action that we take can either be steering us in the direction of health and balance or taking us away from that. And so, and if we think about like, for most of us, in order to, so I, I like, first of all, introducing people to the yin-yang symbol and recognizing that in our culture, we are yang addicted. We are addicted to the speed, the productivity, the how it looks instead of how it feels, the getting it done and in less time, the, you know, the and and just this consumption and it just the so much of how our culture is wired is is on this doing producing and externals and so getting people to first of all realize like i did that there's more to us than just what we can do right there's this whole yin being aspect and that the more we lean into that it actually engenders more powerful yang so for for a lot of people especially like the high achieving self-aware people that i tend to work with it's about like first of all helping them recognizing when they might be biting the hook of yang addiction because that causes us to go into like to override you know our body's needs to like hydrate pee eat you know do much less like than do, do anything else that we might actually enjoy um for fear of the productivity police arresting us um, and recognizing that our self-worth is not predicated on that. And that actually that sort of like having these, like honoring our yin is how I think of it. And honoring our yin, honoring our bodies, honoring our heart's desires, making sure those things are prioritized in our life is, is probably the first thing that I do. The second thing that I do is introduce people to, in Chinese medicine, we have these conceptions of of that if, if it's out there in the natural world, it also exists in our bodies. And so, and that these different energetics of wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, the five elements are also active and at play within us. And so helping people see that when we are acting, when we are allowing one of those energies to maybe dominate over the others, often in a way that, that we believes that we need to to do in order to survive this is maybe a pattern set early in life that we might have needed in order to survive our upbringing or like whatever well-meaning caregivers we had um early on what that that all of us have kind of survival strategies that make us feel safe in the world and the thing is that most of the most of the time our lives aren't actually being threatened what's being threatened is who we think we need to be in order to be safe 
right? So for example, one of those survival strategies is perfectionism. Another could be people pleasing or overachieving. And so helping people see that, okay, like the metal, like the, oh, I need to be like this. I need to be perfect. I need to be rigid or it's worthless, right? That that's, that that's looking at the world in a very metal way versus, you know, that the people who just give till it hurts that, and don't believe that they can give to themselves, that that can be maybe an earth element survival strategy. And it's also not the truth of who that person is, uh, you know, or a wood survival strategy being that like, I'm just going to do more and achieve more and be this bright, shiny star. And therefore I'll be safe because I'll be special and recognizing that like, actually you don't need to do those things at all. It might make you feel more secure, um, but it's but it's a trap. And so recognizing, helping people see themselves through the lens of Chinese medicine so that we can see when one of these energies is dominating and what we can do to maybe counteract that. So a lot of it is really education and like to, this notion of sort of the, the doctor as teacher. And so helping people really see their own tendencies so that we don't have to be bound by them is profoundly freeing, not only because uh, like, sort of being in perpetual survival mode means that we're likely spending way more time in fight flight freeze than we would or like than we should ordinarily ideally we only kind of go into that sympathetic nervous system activation mode when our life is literally at stake and not because we have a deadline or because the house isn't clean and people are coming over well actually probably that's an outdated reference in the age of covid but you get my meaning right that this idea that that <laughs> right. something terrible is going to happen unless that, 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 you know, and, and so recognizing that like, oh, right, that's, that's just an old thought pattern. That's actually, that, that's actually an imbalance. And, and so being able to, to help people see that if your whole sense of who you are is just wedged into this one tiny slice of the pie of all it is, um, that that's limiting your potential. And that when people unhook from stress, Ah, we can relax into our potential. When we're operating from a place of stress, we're necessarily contracted. We're necessarily going to our, our go-to survival strategies, which means that we're not operating from our full human potential. We're not able to be in our hearts. We're not able to connect with others in a, in a, in a loving way, or it's much more difficult. Um, and, we're not, and we're not necessarily able to self-actualize or like kind of play with all of the different colors of our palette that we innately came in with. And so helping people see that... Um, the connection between health and also our our potential of who we could be and how we can evolve. I think Chinese medicine has so much to say about that because there is no separation between body and mind and spirit in Chinese medicine. It's all just qi, right? And it's ways that we subdivide this qi and talk about it into yin and yang or the different organ systems in the body and helping people see, oh, right, this is where I am. This is where I'm leaning too hard into this element rather than this one. This is where my, my liver qi is stagnating, which is kind of our code name for stress, like anytime what, that our nervous system gets hijacked. Right. And so, and therefore like the, the solutions that are inherently in there, Chinese medicine has this long tradition, as you well know, of nourishing life, right? Doing things that actually are amplifying what we call the righteous chi, like the, the, the stuff that's working, the stuff that is, mm. that is, that has the potential for thriving within us. And so helping people value themselves, helping people see what they've, what they've got going on, like whatever is taking them out of balance is likely also their greatest gift. And helping people being able to see that like there's nothing wrong with them, 
they're just maybe uh, they're just maybe overplaying their hand in this way that was set uh, way back when, when we were kids, and that and we felt like all we needed to do was survive. But the, the things that help us survive are really different than the things that help us thrive. So as a coach uh, working from a Chinese medicine framework, I like to introduce people to these concepts, amplify what is what is right with them, help them value what what's going on in themselves, and also help them see that they don't have to be limited by those past patterns. And also introduce them to a certain amount of habit change science and neuroscience about how we can kind of detach from those outdated beliefs and how we can automate these simple habits of embodying self-respect that we need in order to feel great and give our gifts to the world. That's wonderful. And it's, it's so true. Like this, just being able to shift your mindset from that negative space to a positive space and shift those perspective, I liked when you said um, your greatest pain essentially could be your greatest gift that you're able to offer to others. And that's yeah, pretty much absolutely. the premise of this whole show. It's a show. show <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful episode after episode example of, of this very thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, for me, it's been such a, a mind switch, like understanding that our pain can actually be our gift and to not look at it as something to fight with because so many absolutely so much time fighting against that part of ourselves that's painful that we want to change that we don't feel that's good enough etc etc fill in the blank with the negative emotion where yes that whole experience could be something completely totally different and is here for you or for me or for whoever it's there as an opportunity as opposed to oh yeah something happening to you yeah, it's a great, it's a great sort of judo framing, right, of, of this, this very thing that we might be most ashamed of, that we might be most tempted to hide or paper over, and really pulling it out of the shadows. That's scary. That takes work. It takes courage, and it is not easy. So it's yeah. one of those things where it can be really helpful to have support and help on this mm -hmm. path, um, and to, to be held and seen with compassion and love, and with someone that can help us see and, and have that same compassion for our ourselves that like, yeah, this isn't wrong. This doesn't make you a bad person. Um, it, but it, it is something that like, it, that when, once we see it and we can hold it with compassion and with love, that's when we're able to own it and take it on as a strength. And it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, that I am a recovering young addict and I help other, you know, that just my own <laughs> addiction to, to doing and to, and to doing more. It's like, I'm still after, you know, how, how old am I years on the planet? Um, thinking that, that that is where my worth comes from being able to help other people see that that's actually not true. And to, to like opt out of that mindset and to break up with stress entirely. It's something that like, I couldn't do that if I wasn't, if I didn't have the life experiences that I've had right, and, you know, right. helping people, you know, coming from that place of like literally didn't not feeling like I had the right to exist unless I was being in, in service to others um, to a place where, um, where I'm able to help people recognize that we all have the right to be at the top of our own to-do list. And it's not selfish. It's actually our birthright to, you know, to be able to care for ourselves the way that you would want your best friend or your sibling to take care of themselves. And so, it, and, and really it's like, that is a hard, that is hard one lesson for me. And so when I'm working with my clients, it's like, I get it at a deep level, what it's like to not feel like, um, to not feel like it's okay to just be a person. 
you know, to just like sit on the couch and read a book or, you know, that just the basic simple things in life have to be earned, you know, and, and it's really, it. Um, so yeah, if I can help other people truly practice self-respect and self-love day in and day out um, in a way where they can, they can honor their yin as well as their yang, then it's, I feel like that, that, that early pain that I had has some meaning. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the main goals in life, I think for me is to getting to that place of understanding that my pain is specific to me, but it's a shared experience with hundreds of thousands of people. And that's why I think it's so important that people like you and me and multiple millions of other people are doing this work because we can help our people. Like there are people out there that are listening to this are like, oh my God, I definitely need Brody's work. You know, I definitely need, you know, there's so many facets of healing and so many, all the practitioners have usually gone through some kind of healing something within themselves and that's what they can offer their people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so much of it is about resonance, you know, like right. that. Um, yeah. And just so, so wh whoever and however we're able to, to feel uh, supported and met, it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard journey uncovering um, all these, unpacking your pain and creating new habits and new rituals. And it's really nice to have somebody to hold your hand and support you in that way with a non-judgmental, compassionate space. I don't know how people do it alone, frankly, because we get so much cultural reinforcement for overriding our boundaries, especially as women, you know, that yeah. I, I see that, you know, women are, are constantly incentivized for being selfless, right? And that, and, and not to mention the fact that if we have a job, right, we're likely being paid far less than the guy sitting next to us, even more so if you're a woman of color. And it's, it's just like, it's so capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, all of these things incentivize women to, uh, to kind of put themselves last in order to get ahead or to survive in the system that, that's set up for us. And it's the kind of thing where it's, um, so yeah, like there's a lot of cultural reinforcement and reward that we can get from just pushing harder and put your head down and just don't care about your body and don't, don't listen to your heart and just kind of like see how how far you can get on this ladder you know like that is um is not necessarily set up for for human thriving no and, and so it, it takes <laughs> yeah and often yeah. those are the women that get autoimmune disorders and chronic fatigue and lupus and absolutely know, right issues. I, I mean it, it goes on and on so much, so much more can go awry in a woman's body. And we do see, you know, yeah, rates of autoimmunity way higher. Um, and yeah, the issues with fertility, um, mm -hmm. even like, I mean, really chronic, that, that kind of um, being in survival mode all the time, right? That's, it, we're chronically stressing the HPA axis. It's going to have consequences for our hormones, for our digestive systems, for our immune systems, for our, be able to, our ability to go to sleep at night, for our ability to have good energy, to not feel pain in our bodies. It's like the stakes are high, but it's a lot of times like we are, we are socialized to just bear that cost internally instead of, of actually, uh, first of all, recognizing that we can still thrive as productive achievers in this system when we honor the yin, when we, when we kind of lean into that paradox, that it's it's, um, it's sort of this outdated, um, almost hyper-masculine notion that we should just sort of suck it up and deal and like work harder and chain ourselves to our computers and, and all that. But that that's actually not the, the um, it's actually 
not the safest and easiest path to get there. So helping people see that that's actually, um, it's a thought form that is kind of like an unkind and hyper-masculine way of, of seeing the world. And that when we honor yin, when we kind of like are in touch with the rhythms of what our bodies need, even just from moment to moment, like I'm thirsty, I'd like some water now, please. <laughs> right. That, that, um, that if, if, if some dude were standing over me and saying like, are you, are you serious right now? Like you can't get up and take a break until you finish this email. Like you're lazy. If someone said that to me, especially if it were a guy, I would likely respond not too kindly to that. I would likely stand up for myself and tell him off. But if that voice is coming from my own head, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, you're totally right. What am I even thinking? Having joy or having time for myself. It's much easier. It's like I've internalized that sort of oppressive voice. And so therefore, I think it's really important to band together with people who have a different vision, because the only way to fight kind of a dominant culture is with a counterculture. And, you know, it's the way that things like um, spiritual groups, church groups, um, support groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and all of the other 12-step programs, it's like what they have in common is that there's other people walking the path. There's other people who are in it too and who share a similar worldview and believe that transformation is possible. And that's a lot of times like that's that's um, what I've tried to do with my coaching clients when I, I used to bring people together in community to, to do this nice. work of habit change and all that. Um, and, but even just having one person, right? Your, your coach, your practitioner, whoever, who believes that you can do it and holds out another vision for what's possible. Uh, when you truly opt out of this mindset, when you truly start embodying self-respect for real and self-love on this deeper level of what might be possible, um, because it is, it is really, we have so much evidence that we can look at for like why you shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So let's get into the infinite love questions. Sure. So how do you use love in the work that you do? That is, that is a deep question. And I've been thinking <laughs> about it. First of all, um, I, I unconditionally love the people that I work with. So being able to, first of all, see them as whole and not like there's something wrong with them and I have the answers to fix them. Mm -hmm. So being able to see, to really truly see the wholeness, um, if divinity is a word that resonates, it might be that too. But this sense that there's nothing, that, that like this person has everything that they need right already right. and it's just a matter of a, a matter of amplifying something different and and allowing someone to take the smallest step in the direction of um of what's medicine for them so so just holding out a sense of that they are already whole and that they are all that there's nothing wrong and being able to to listen with compassion and hold them from a place of love. It's like, I, there's, there's lots of ways and it can be tough love. Like I've, I've got smart strategy in my toolbox too, but it's like all of that. If somebody doesn't get that they're really cared for, they're not going to feel safe enough to, uh, to open up about what's real, to admit where they're struggling. And so I think that just, it's a powerful container to be able to help someone um, show up authentically. And so, and that's, that's another thing is, um, is really rewarding people for their courage of being vulnerable and sharing what's real rather than uh, shaming them for it or, or making them feel like it's um, 
like it, like it's this binary, you're either succeeding or failing, helping people see their own progress, right? A lot of times when people are trying to learn how to meditate or they're trying to eat better, um, but then something stressful happens and they blow it off or they binge on sugar or something like that, helping them see like, oh yeah, but you did that once this week instead of five times this week, you know, just that helping people sort of change their own thinking so that they're able to give themselves credit where credit is due is another big part of, of how I work with people. Nice. How do you feel that your work is used to uplift humanity? Well, I believe that just like in Chinese medicine believes, right, that there is no such thing as a separate entity. We're, we're all connected. We're all in this big ecosystem. So just like our organs interplay with each other and each cell communicates with each other in this symphony that the heart is conducting within, that it's like we are, we are ourselves ecosystems, but we're also connected to the people in our lives and to the culture and to the, the media that we consume. All of this stuff is part of this ecosystem that, that we all sort of are sharing. And so when I encourage someone to be more loving and kind to themselves, to take a stand for embodying self-respect, that person is part of shifting the culture at large to being one that is more honoring of humanity and one that is more, like, frankly, humane, right, in, in, the, in the truest sense of the word. Um, and so really, I, I believe that, that sort of like in that being the change that we wish to see in the world, that as, as, um, as I empower other people to to take that stand for themselves that is how we create a different set of norms that the next generation will see as as um better than running ourselves into the ground in service of uh yeah of whatever production um and so so hopefully that is part of how we evolve humanity into something that's more compassionate and in general it's um sort of also seeing our, our the way that we're connected to these systems and like so so trying to make any any community that I'm a part of encouraging people to to have that same kindness and respect for each other and for themselves um, it, because we are all in this together and yeah. being able to to kind of take a stand for each other I love it what do you love most about your life I deeply love the people in my life and I am incredibly grateful that I am able to connect with them. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's all about the connections that come alive with people, including my clients. And I love having the, um, I love having the freedom to structure my day such that I can show up with the best energy for the people that I love and not deplete myself. Nice. That's important. I also, can, if I can throw this in, I also love the fact that I live 10 minutes from a trailhead. So I can be out in nature medicine <laughs> at any point in time. Do not necessarily love that that nature is in Oregon where it rains nine months of the year, but connection to nature is very important to me. And I deeply love that about my life. Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> How do you feel you receive love? Oh, I receive love so much better when I'm when I'm in the mindset of when I can get out of self judgment. Mm. So if I if I'm in self judgment, it doesn't matter what anyone says to me or does for me. Um, there's barrier, and when I can take down that judgment, 
um, I can receive it in all sorts of ways, right? From, uh, from clients expressing their gratitude or um, friends sending me a text or my husband rubbing my shoulders, you know, like it can be like all of the love languages that, that exist out there um, are blocked by self-judgment. And so I think just eliminating that allows the love to come in in lots of myriad ways. Yes. When do you feel the most loved? Ah, when do I feel the most loved? This is also connecting. I think usually it's, it's, it's things like this past weekend being out in the woods with friends and my husband hiking and being, and just, even just being in silence or having a conversation where uh, about something that matters, you know, being able to, being able to share what's real and being able to, um, to spend that quality time. That to me, that to me means a lot, right? Cause that time is a finite resource and yeah. what we give our time to matters. And so when someone's giving their time to me, uh, and really showing up for it, um, in a way that without any distractions, that feels like the biggest gift I could possibly receive. Nice. And last question is, where do you feel that love has created a miracle in your life? I think this is, this is kind of on a different tack, but um, love created a miracle for me when I, I had been through a divorce. I had been through heartbreak. I was not sure uh, I was I was dating the person who is who I'm now married to, who had kids. His wife had died of cancer a year before, and he had an eight year old and a twelve year old. And I had never been the kind of person who envisioned being a mother. Uh, I, I had a well established Chinese medicine practice and coaching practice. I did plenty of nurturing. Thank you very much. And I did not want to add two kids to the mix. And love created a miracle for me when I realized that these particular individuals were people that I could see connecting to and, and being a family for, and being able to, to, to like, first of all, to overcome the past pain enough so that barrier went away. So that I was able to really fall in love and, and take away that, that preconception of what it means to be a parent. It's like, oh yeah, I don't know that I can sign up for being a mom, but I can sign up for being a positive sort of sane adult female role model. Like, yeah, I could do that. And so, um, and that was, um, we got married in 2012 and yeah. And so it, it's like something that I never thought I would have wanted for myself, which I actively avoided <laughs> that I, that was actively on my deal breaker list and ended up being um, a life that, that I do truly love with, um, with these children who are now young adults, uh, young people who I deeply love and, and with a guy who, um, who, yeah, would have, would have been a, a fling if were it not for, um, for kind of love waking me up to the potential of what my life could be. And, and like, what do I, what did I think I was looking for that wasn't right there? <laughs> I love that. That's a, that is a beautiful story. And thank you so much for sharing all of this. I think it's such an important part of adulting is learning how to take care of yourself. 
I think that's been. Oh yeah. And one that we're not really prepared for with, with, with the education most of us receive growing up. So yeah, it is a process and one that, um, one that is really helpful to have support as we do it and giving ourselves the freedom to, um, to not do it perfectly because that's right. not what it's about. So yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to connect with you and your wonderful podcast. And uh, it, I think that really the world always can benefit from more love and more people tapping into their own capacity to love. Yeah, absolutely. And so how can people find you if they want to work with you? Or what's the best way to keep in contact with you? I'm at BrodyWelch.com, Brody with an IE and Welch with a CH. And I have a podcast called A Healthy Curiosity on Being Well in a Busy World. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Brody, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure learning about the importance of self-care and how you infuse Chinese medicine in such an interesting way of looking at the medicine that even I appreciate, even as an acupuncturist, to learn how other people use the medicine and the work that they do. So thank you. Isn't that sharing. fun? I love connecting with other practitioners. And <laughs> thanks again for the invitation. And to all of you listening, may you love and honor yourself the way that you would want anyone in your life who you care about to take care of themselves. Thanks so much for, for tuning in. Thank you. Sending you lots of love. Bye. Much, lots of love back. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.